Why do we exist? Were we created with a purpose? Or are we just here by chance? What are we to believe about life, faith, and worldview? Welcome to The Universe Next Door, focusing on answers to the questions we all consider. The Universe Next Door is supported by the C.S. Lewis Society, Trinity College of Florida, and supported by gifts from listeners just like you. Discover more resources and continue the conversation at apologetics.org. And now, your host, the research professor of Bible and theology at Trinity College of Florida, author and speaker, Dr. Tom Woodward. Wow, what an amazing new day we have in front of us as we're going to be talking about discoveries. Yes, new discoveries recently reported to the public about outer space phenomena that we cannot understand. How these patterns of signals could be coming across space from 500 million light years away from us and then received by our heavy-duty dish antenna, the uh, radio antennae, arrayed across the United States and the world are detecting a signal. What is it? What could it be? <laughs> Hello, I see a signal of somebody across the desk from me. Oh, wow, it could be Nick Shauna. I think it is. It is a, a visual signal. I recognize your face, that unique pattern of, of your uh, handsome beard and your smiling face. Yeah, I don't know how handsome it is today. but <laughs> Oh, it looks pretty good. Yeah, nicely kept. So today we are ready to dive into a new series. It's kind of like a, um, I think we're, I think we're going to need two programs. I feel a second program brewing on the, on the edges of the first one, if I can be so predictive. Uh, but the, the excitement of astronomy is something that always grabbed me. I mean, growing up during the time of the Mercury and then Gemini and then Apollo, space missions. That was when I was in junior high and high school. I actually was a freshman in college when we landed the man, the first uh, group of, of men on the moon. Of course, Armstrong and Collins, and then of course it went on to Pete Conrad. Hoo-hoo, Princeton class of 53. Yeah, we did put one guy on the moon. <laughs> but uh, but we actually had uh, I don't know a number of, of teams that roamed around different spots across the moon. And I guess the NASA uh, leadership is getting ready to send people back to the moon. And, of course, the most amazing thing is sending a team to Mars, to the, the, the uh, beautiful red planet of Mars sometime, I guess, in the next 25 years. I mean, that to me seems extraordinary. Doesn't it seem to you? Yeah. No, I, I'd, I'd be very curious to see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it going to be... Uh, you know, necessary to have the very latest technology so they can get there and not just take, you know, two or three years. I think they project <clears throat> something like a year to get there and maybe a, about a year to get back. And who knows, maybe a month on the surface digging around exploration. But today we want to talk about something in this realm of space and astronomy and cosmology that is very near and dear to anyone who loves apologetics and that, after all, is our focus here on the universe next door. We have literally, literally two universe ideas packed into the meaning of that phrase, the universe next door. First off, we have the physical universe, which is now described as kind of like a lattice, three-dimensional, beautiful gossamer lattice of Swiss cheese, yes, Swiss cheese is often used to describe the arrangement of galaxies and galactic clusters and superclusters and even walls, these tendrils, these almost like compartments or rooms 
uh, ne never like square, squared off, but kind of rounded and oblong shape inside these vast spaces. There's nothing. And then on the, the perimeter of these spaces that bunch up against one another, you find galactic clusters and superclusters having anywhere from a couple hundred to countless thousands of galaxies all jammed in or spread across this uh, vastness of the at least 30 billion light year diameter uh, I should say radius, uh, 30 some 30 billion of year light year radius of the universe, the visible universe. And then beyond that, who knows? Do you think that the universe is infinite, Nick? Or do you, do you like I myself, lean toward a finite universe? Yeah, I'm on your side on that one. Okay. It's vast. It's incredible. I mean, the expanse of the universe is almost blindingly, amazingly, uh, almost ungraspable but it still is finite in the sense that if you shot off a, a light beam in one direction and waited long enough maybe 60 or 80 billion years that light beam beam would not just keep going and going and just never come back it would actually hit you on the back of the head so it'd be sort of like the surface of a sphere where an ant that keeps crawling in one direction eventually comes back to where it started you take that two-dimensional surface that the ant is crawling along and expanded out to three-dimensional space and thus you would have a very vast but still bended uh, what's called positive curvature space uh, a huge uh, universe but one that is eventually finite although incredibly large now in inside any kind of conceivable big universe whether it be finite or infinite and if you have what's called positive curvature, it would be finite. If you have a flat or negative curvature, it would be technically uh, infinite from what my, my reading has led me to understand. In any of those cases, it really doesn't matter that much. You could receive a very interesting set of signals from outer space. And there is something of a paradox it's called the Fermi Paradox. Enrico Fermi, a great 20th century physicist, actually made this observation uh, before he died. And the, and the Enrico Fermi observation is that if the universe is so big and so vast, and then potentially, if you take the typical understanding of you know, how many other civilizations might be out there, if it is so big and vast and so well populated by other civilizations, then why have we received not the slightest evidence, not the slightest you know, indication from out there that there is another people and there is another civilization? I'm reading a very interesting article today. And in this article, this is the statement. It says, it's weird Given that the universe is so vast that we seem to be alone in it, physicist Enrico Fermi was the first to spell out this dilemma, and it's named after him, the Fermi Paradox. The paradox is that, under some reasonable assumptions about how often life originates and reaches technological sophistication, we should be able to detect signs of thousands or millions of other civilizations, and yet we haven't. Recent investigations suggest the paradox may have a mundane resolution. 
uh, says this article, under more accurate assumptions about how life originates, we are very plausibly alone. Bum, bum, bum. Dramatic music at this point queued up. So this article uh, is really uh, kind of trying to give the sense of, it's actually written, uh, it's an online article by Seagull Samuel and Kelsey Piper, published oh, just within the last week, February uh, 13th of, the, of 2020. And uh, the, the title of the article is, A ra Radio Signal is Coming from Space Every, eight, every 16, excuse me, Every 16 Days. What is it? I'm actually leaving a couple words out of the title. Uh, but um, a radio signal is coming from space every 16 days. What is it? So Samuel, Siegel Samuel, and Kelsey Piper are reminding us at the end of the article that there is a kind of a background to this story, and that is Enrico Fermi, the late uh, top uh, physicist who explored the very nature of matter and energy, and Simon Space, uh, literally, who kind of picked up the mantle and worked uh, in the shadow of and alongside uh, Albert Einstein. The Fermi paradox remains a paradox to this day. And what I would say is, unless God intervenes to cause lifeless matter to form, you know, nucleotides, to form patterns of molecules that store information, those you know, wonderful things that we call biomolecules would never originate in the first place. You say? No, I agree. Yeah. I mean, to me, the, the, the problem with the Fermi paradox is that if you understand how implausible, and I mean just scientifically, I'm not just talking about spiritually or biblically. Mm, there's implausible. a scientific standpoint. And from a scientific standpoint, it's just incredible. It's, it's not the most likely option. I think that... Um, Mm -hmm. I think we see that a lot. Yeah, and so it's wishful I, thinking at the at the best. It is scientific wishful thinking. It is it is almost like um, scientific mythology. Yeah, if yeah. I if I can be permitted that uh, seat of the pants description. So I think that you know if if you've seen the latter half of unlocking the mystery of life, and there's actually a new illustra video, uh, outstanding video called Origin. And it also has the subtitle, Unlocking the Mystery of Life. It's a redo of the section of the original Unlocking the Mystery of Life that deals with the origin of life. That new video with, uh, you know, the starring Paul Nelson and about four other scientists affiliated with Discovery Institute, that is a great introduction to why the Fermi paradox is really not much of a paradox because it, it actually fits with almost what you would explain, what, what you would expect if, you, if someone had, had explained uh, at a very basic level the implausibility of even just a single protein forming at random. And we now know through a careful experimentation that the simplest bacterium that has been put together and functions at what we might call a minimal level, just barely existing, requires 469 proteins, 469 genetic files, or what we would call genes, you know, on its hard drive. Yeah, I think life is a lot more complicated than we would like for it to be. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, if I was an atheist, if I was an agnostic, I would want life to be start with maybe one or two genes. Yeah, which is what they basically thought back when Darwinism yes. uh, came onto the scene. And, and of course, Darwin himself didn't even know about such a thing as a gene. No, not, yeah. not until... Yeah. Uh, 
your buddy from Princeton went to the moon. Was it 1943? Said he graduated. That's when they. That's when they uh, had made the discovery, right? Well, actually, yeah. The the genetic uh, concept was had become better known in the early 1900s, and so by, by let's say the 1940s, the neo-Darwinian uh, theory had come together. Uh, but the origin of life really didn't even have an attempted explanation until 53. No, yeah. When, when the Miller experiment suggested yeah. that uh, the amino acids came together through just the collision of basic chemicals in an early atmosphere that was jolted with lightning. We know that there are about 20 distinct scientific problems with that theory. Sounds like Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think I might write a chapter of a book sometime. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I already did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used the reference to the Frankenstein movie. Well done, my brother. So well, let's talk about the news. And um, we've got uh, we got enough time to really introduce this. And then we'll maybe dig deeper and compare it to the Oumuamua. Uh, do you remember when Oumuamua was passing through the solar system? <laughs> trying to it think. sounds like it sounds like a princess in the hawaiian islands yeah. history <laughs> well I, it was bow not, down yeah that's funny well oumuamua i think is a hawaiian name i don't know i, I have to look up you know for our next week's program like how did they name it oumuamua but there actually was an object that passed through the solar system and one of the scientists who has speculated that this weird signal that has a repetition of every 16 days you know, the same scientist at Harvard that, that is speculating that it could be a signal from aliens. Uh, he actually, and, and we're going to make a point from this. We're going to make a, a very important point in, in arguing for the existence of God for the, from, the, uh, from the, the evidence and from the discussion that is coming out. But the, the whole Oumuamua and now the 16-day cycle of radio bursts that are coming and being detected on Earth together they really kind of remind us of how we detect intelligence in the first place and I think that's one of the main takeaways I mean I celebrate this whole you might say approach of at least asking the question how do you know if a phenomenon is produced by intelligence and I think you would say that too yeah in referencing back to uh, what you had said about the origin of life study in the 1950s, even if they did do the experiment accurate, that would even show that there was intelligence mm -hmm. behind that. In a test tube, it was so it was so um, mm -hmm. intricate. Yes, and of course, the even the guidance, the the process of guiding those chemical reactions, is a sort of intelligence. You know, the 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 causing of amino acids to be produced from a carefully chosen an almost shielded mixture is shielded from anything that would cause a competing cross-reaction to make uh, some of those products precipitate out. And <clears throat> so if you're trying to duplicate the original surface of the earth, you know, the, the, the idea of life coming about in a pond, a little soup, chemical soup, forming a, an original replicating molecule, which then gets more and more complicated and uh, adopts more and more functions. You can't you can't have that kind of replication development step by tiny step until you have natural selection, even by their own theory. And you don't have natural selection until you have 469 of those genes, and then you're off and running. But if you can't even get to a single gene and or, or a single protein, let alone a gene, by random you know, uh, let's say linking to form a polymer. 
and get up to the true level of a functioning gene of a typical length of 1,000 to 5,000 nucleotides. And f the old phrase from the movie, forget about it, comes yeah. to mind. Yeah, so it, it's funny. I, the first thing we think when we see a signal in space, we don't assume it just formed itself on the way here. We exactly. assume that there's an intelligence behind exactly. it and, and a purpose behind exactly. it. Exactly. And, of course, that brings us now. That's a perfect segue. Thank you very much, Nick. Back to the, the question of what is happening. Well, first of all, the facts. Okay, so I'm going to read the, uh, the Doyle Rice uh, in USA Today. Uh, the title of his article is Scientists Detect an Unexplainable Radio Signal from Outer Space that Repeats Every 16 Days. Wow. And so the bursts, uh, first of all, the basic facts, the bursts originate from a galaxy 500 million light years away. Now, that's, that's a good distance away. We can still see galactic structures at that distance, although they're very, on you know, even the, the world's biggest telescopes, those galactic structures are pretty small. I mean, you have to expand them, and you can see the structure, but it's from a galaxy far, far away. And the MIT scientists that are quoted in, uh, and actually a statement that was released about the, like, two weeks ago, they said it's probably, I love the word, Probably not aliens. Okay, <laughs> they're, they're hedging their bets there a little bit. Yeah. Could be, but probably not. I, I don't know. I'm wondering, is it ni like 90 10, you know, 70 30? Yeah, I wish they gave us a little number next exactly. to it. Exactly. So and then the third point is one of the great mysteries, and perhaps the greatest mysteries in astronomy, is the origins of these bursts of fast radio signals, or as they call them, FRB. So FRB stands for not the latest uh, latest hot rod released by Ford Motor Company, but it stands for fast radio bursts. And so they are short-lived pulses of radio waves, and they can come from all the way across the universe. And they were, in this case, detected about once an hour, and that continued for four days, and then they stopped. And they thought, well, that's interesting. But then, after about 12.3 days later, in other words, a total of 16.35 days, if you want to be exact, then they started up again. You know, so boom, boom, boom. I'm, yeah, I'm, and every I'm, 16, I'm, I'm, every yeah, little every, over two weeks. Yeah, and a little over two weeks, exactly. Every 16.35 days, this cycle would repeat. So four days of bursts. A little over 12 days of science. And I hope it's not an SOS from another galaxy, like 500 million years. We're just now getting it. Yeah. <laughs> we need help. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe some of the uh, battles from the Star Wars films. Oh, just reaching that's us today. funny. <laughs> okay. Well, let me ask you. Okay. Now, thank you, Nick. Now you've raised the question. How would you know if it's an SOS? <laughs> yeah. I guess we okay, don't speak yeah, whatever. Yeah. So if you don't have the decoding, you know, the, the what do you call it? The, the cipher. If you yeah. don't have the, this means that. You know, like you have in the case of, uh, you know, ordinary human codes, whether it be Morse code or something else that the government uses, then you can't really make sense of it. You can speculate, okay? A little bit more. I'm just going to read a little bit more of this fascinating um, report by Doyle Rice. The repeating pattern, according to Science X Network, suggests the source could be a celestial body of some kind orbiting around a star or another body. Uh, in such a scenario, the signals would cease when they are obstructed by the other body. In other words, if it goes into an eclipse for 12 days, 
Um, and, then, and then as it comes out of the eclipse, and maybe there's kind of a cloud, and then there's a patch in the cloud where it's open to go dum, 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 you know, reaching out yeah. across the universe. That would be interesting. Now, that is on possibility. They said another possibility is it could be a celestial body that is rotating. In other words, it's just on its axis spinning, and as it comes around with a 16 point, let's say, 35 uh, rotation uh, rate, you know, just completing one rotation every 16 days, then every time it's facing toward us, which would be, let's say, at that period of four days, it's reasonably close facing us. But then you would have an increase in the strength of the signal as it's more perfectly facing us and then a decrease, but they don't have that. Yeah, the bur- the bursts are more even, so that that makes it less likely. We do have objects, by the way, that are doing a uh, rapid pulsing, and I think you've heard of them. They're called pulsars. Yeah. Okay, so those are rapidly spinning stars. They typically will burst, you know, a little beep about once a second, as in beep, 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 beep. Do I sound like a pulsar? I think. So. Yeah. I did a good no, imitation. I think so. Thank you very much. And so some of them are so fast, they literally will, will do, they're called millisecond pulsars. And those will beep anywhere from 30 to f- 500 times a second. So those are very rapid. I will not attempt to uh, mimic a millisecond pulsar. <laughs> it would just sound like a steady noise. You couldn't even hear the separate beats. So uh, according to, again, MIT, it is not likely to be aliens. But in a separate story reported... And, and we had just have a couple minutes left in this broadcast. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to Oumuamua in our, in our second report next week. The, 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 the signal coming from outer space, according to the second report by uh, Sigel Samuel and Kelsey Piper, actually receives some support from Harvard University's professor Avi Loeb. If you want to look it up on the Internet, Loeb is L-O-E-B. Avi Loeb and Manasvi Lingam. And uh, their study actually deals directly with the hypothesis that extraterrestrials might have achieved a level of technology that allow them to transmit signals all the way across the universe in this unique FRB, fast radio burst pattern. So we don't know, of course, that the, how exactly plausible this theory is. But their, their article published just two years ago, a little over two years ago, 2017, was arguing that the patterns of FRBs, and those are uh, said to be caused by neutron stars, that is, uh, uh, or those are rapidly rotating or some, sometimes a little bit slower rotating dense stars, where a single teaspoon of their stuff would weigh a billion tons. That's pretty, wow. that's pretty heavy stuff. Yeah. Or black holes, but a black hole is much more difficult to explain unless you have something falling into a black hole, how that could be sending out those signals. But if you have some kind of transmitter, and if it was um, solar-powered and water-cooled, and if it was a device twice the size of the Earth, think of that, a transmitter twice the size of the Earth, you might be able to send that signal. Well, you know, I think in the scriptures we have a signal from God sent not from across the universe, but from very close to us. 
And matter of fact, God said through the Apostle Paul to the philosophers, yes, the philosophers of science there in the book of, a book of Acts, Acts 17, there in the, in the lecture he gave in Athens, Greece, he said God is not very far from any one of us. He doesn't have to signal us from far across the universe. His signal is so close. You can actually see it and feel it and know it in your heart. God loves you. And in spite of our sins, Christ died for us. He came, he rescued us, and in the person of Christ, we can have eternal life. Check it out today at the Universe Next Door, a special uh, page at apologetics.org. See you back here next week on the Universe Next Door. You've been listening to The Universe Next Door with Dr. Tom Woodward, sponsored by the C.S. Lewis Society and Trinity College of Florida and supported through the gifts of listeners just like you. To gather resources, continue the conversation, and support The Universe Next Door with your financial gifts, go to apologetics.org. That's apologetics.org. And join us again next time as we continue to seek the truth about life, faith, and worldview in The Universe Next Door.